You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch Podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch Podcast. I'm Mike Pierce, Senior HFO Research Analyst. The big stories from this past week. Downtown to office multifamily conversions are not the answer. On this podcast, we talk a lot about topics related to private investment in multifamily, what's happening with institutional investors, and the pandemic's effect on income migration. HFO's podcasts are sponsored by the construction firm of J.R. Johnson, offering restoration and emergency repair work for multifamily properties. HFO is your leading multifamily firm in Oregon and Washington. Now, on to our news briefing. While the largely popular hybrid remote office work paradigm might be great for employers interested in attracting and retaining qualified workers, it's less than ideal for office building owners and landlords trying to retain quality tenants. With work from home and hybrid employees continuing to avoid commuting to their previous downtown office destinations, higher vacancies continue to plague office buildings, often ranging from 30 to 50%. So what's the best course of action for optimizing these vacant downtown offices? One commonly discussed solution to this issue is adaptive reuse, converting vacant downtown buildings into residential usage. Given the extreme challenges this avenue presents, the more logical and productive answer is to keep that downtown office space as is by encouraging professional services and businesses occupying outer ring and suburban mid-rise older rise apartment buildings to lease that downtown class A space. With the downtown offices occupied and the lower rise suburban office empty, there would be an opportunity to convert those older suburban buildings into much needed residential and mixed use properties that pose significantly less structural challenges as part of the construction process. The office to multifamily conversion strategy offers some advantages, at least in theory. It decreases empty office space and provides much needed housing to meet the overwhelming demand. From there, the assumption is that more residents lease up these newly created apartment buildings and the restaurant and entertainment tenants will follow. The ideal result would be a re-energized and revitalized urban core. Now, here's the reality of the strategy that would likely play out. The challenges of office to multifamily conversion are well documented. Massive class A buildings with huge floor plates don't lend themselves to residential usage, with zoning serving as a central roadblock. Furthermore, current urban core amenities aren't set up to serve residents who call downtown business centers home. The existing amenities are designed to service employees who spend their day and early evening downtown and then hightail it to the suburbs. Then there's the whole infrastructure problem. Downtown streets simply aren't geared to handle high-density residential, and neither are sewer lines and power grids. The infrastructural concerns are enough to stop these conversion attempts in their tracks. Finally, the changeover from downtown office space to residential use risks creating high-density bedroom communities versus vibrant commercial downtown destinations that cities like Los Angeles have been thoroughly cultivating for generations. With fewer companies operating in downtown buildings, residents will commute from their urban core residence to their workplace in the suburb, lower-density neighborhoods. This leaves urban cores vacant each day and drains the area of daytime activity and commerce that enables urban neighborhoods to succeed and grow. A far better and less costly solution to empty downtown offices is to keep the assets and office buildings and provide incentives and encouragement for professional offices and businesses to lease that downtown space. Additionally, by directing resources toward the improvement of public transportation and safety in downtown areas, we will gradually see those areas regain their pre-pandemic economic, cultural, and social vibrancy. These professional companies might jump at the chance to add a cachet to their brands by relocating from their older structures to a trophy asset with downtown address. Many businesses, financial firms, smaller law firms, architects, and consultants operate from Class B-type buildings, mid-rise buildings on the edge of urban cores, or inner-ring suburbs. 
These older buildings lend themselves to adaptive reuse better than the massive Class A counterparts. The floor plates are smaller, the infrastructure is geared towards higher density, and they're closer to residential neighborhoods, meaning that zoning could be less of a challenge. Once professional businesses relocate to downtown office buildings, these mid-rise buildings could be repurposed for multifamily and mixed-use communities at a far lower cost than downtown office buildings. The result? Urban cores are re-energized by new business tenants, and older, less efficient buildings can be redeveloped into much-needed housing. The success of this strategy means that downtown Class A space needs to become financially accessible to smaller professional businesses. Owners and landlords in these buildings need to rethink their old lease and evaluation models, and municipalities need to improve downtown safety and beef up public transportation. This might seem like a steep price to pay, but the alternative risks, turning downtown locations from commercial entertainment, cultural, and civic hearts into little more than high-density suburbia. The takeaway is that adaptive reuse is not a bad idea, but renovating large downtown office buildings into residence is. It's far better to support continued downtown office usage, encourage a new tenant profile to lease the space, then put renovation dollars towards structures that better lend themselves to multifamily use. Doing so means creating easily accessible, safe urban core locations while supporting the development of multifamily mixed-use properties throughout cities. Amid economic turbulence, rising interest rates, and market uncertainty, institutional investors have adopted a more cautious stance in terms of deploying capital into real estate, pulling back significantly from the fray. In contrast, private buyers have remained more active, seeing real estate as a potential hedge against inflation and an alternative to the beleaguered fixed income and equity markets that are coming off their 2021 highs. Declining transaction volume trends are dispersed across asset sizes and reveal an underlying divergence amid a collective market pullback. Transaction counts for deal sizes of less than $3 million have fallen by 53% from the peak of the fourth quarter of 2021, but the decline in deal activity becomes even more dramatic with the larger deal sizes, reflecting the hesitation among the bigger players. When looking at $25 million plus deals, the number of transactions has plummeted as much as 79%. The stark difference in real estate investment activity levels between institutional and private investors underscores the different time preferences and after-tax return objectives. Institutional buyers traditionally known for their large-scale acquisitions and creative financial engineering are now writing smaller checks and adjusting their going-in yields alongside rising debt costs, which has led to a widening bid-ask spread. To distribute risk, institutional investors are not just cutting back on the check size, but also expanding their geographical focus away from the once-booming markets, such as the Sun Belt. This trend is evident in the falling average deal sizes nationally and increased deal flow in a handful of secondary and tertiary markets. This approach allows institutional investors to hedge against localized economic downturns from oversupply or capitalize on regional growth opportunities where demand remains intact. On the other hand, smaller private buyers continue to be more active, seeing value in real estate investments in the current economic state, frequently known to hold their assets free and clear without relying on volatile debt markets. Private buyers tend to prioritize tax advantage trades and multi-generational timeframes rather than meeting immediate benchmarks for returns on investment. The smaller transaction sizes also offer more liquidity, a trait that has gained heightened importance given the current economic uncertainties. Like all investment arenas, the real estate market ebbs and flows in response to macroeconomic trends, investor sentiment, and market dynamics. The current shift in buying behavior reflects the rising costs of financing new purchases and the pressure to show near-term outperformance. And finally, Multnomah County has experienced a significant migration of residents during the first year of the pandemic, leading to a net loss of over $1 billion in income, reports the Oregonian. 
This phenomenon was largely attributed to the risk in remote work, which allowed individuals to retain their urban jobs while relocating somewhere else. IRS data from 2020 and 2021 revealed that 14,257 tax filers and their dependents moved out of the county, marking the first time in a decade that the county's net income loss exceeded $1 billion. Furthermore, the average income of residents who left in 2020 was 14% higher than those that moved out the previous year, reflecting a trend of higher earners relocating. This change was the departure from previous patterns where typically those who relocated had lower incomes than those who stayed. While the county lost residents primarily to nearby suburbs, such as Clackamas County, some moved to more distant destinations. Economists predict that these trends could result in a significant loss of tax revenue for the county and the state of Oregon, which heavily relies on personal income taxes from high earners. There is concern that if this trend continues, it could lead to budget shortfalls and cuts in local programs and services. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews, where we will be discussing migration and Oregon's housing crisis. HFO TV interviews are available on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Apartment Investor blog, available on our website. If you're a multifamily owner in Washington, be sure to subscribe to our other bi-weekly podcast, The Washington Multifamily Market Watch, available on our website and all podcast markets. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hfore.com.